Happy New Year, and welcome to Sunday morning at First Presbyterian Church. I'm Pastor Danny Deeth, and now that we have celebrated the coming of the Christ child into the world, what is our response as those who are following or seeking to follow? Our response is to give our lives in service and praise and study and joy and fellowship and service. But we start as we worship together today. Come on in. first scripture reading comes from the book of Revelation, chapter 21, verses 1 through 6a. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, See, the home of God is among mortals. He will dwell with them, and they will be his peoples, and God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Mourning and crying and pain will be no more for the first things have passed away. And the one who is seated on the throne said, See, I am making things new. And he said, Write this, for these words are trustworthy and true. Then he said to me, It is done. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The 1950s, Pete Seeger the great folk singer, was very distressed because the music producers were putting more and more emphasis on the instruments and less and less on the words in the music. And so he sat down in protest. He sat down in anger. And in 15 minutes, wrote a song. Thinking that it would not be popular, and the words were these words. There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under heaven. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to uproot. A time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down, and a time to build, a time to weep, and a time to laugh, a time to mourn, and a time to dance, a time to scatter stones, and a time to gather them, a time to embrace, and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to search 
and a time to give up, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to mend, a time to be silent and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. What does the worker gain from his toil? I've seen the burden God has laid on men. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the hearts of men. Yet they cannot fathom what God has done from the beginning to the end. I know that there is nothing better for men than to be happy and to do good while they live that everyone may eat and drink and find satisfaction in all his toil. This is the gift of God. This is the word of the Lord. I'm thankful to be here in your pulpit again. I so much appreciate the opportunity to be with you today for two reasons. One, because you have a free pulpit. That is not true every place, and that means when I stand here, no one says to me what I can and cannot address and what I can and cannot say, and that is a gift of the Presbyterian pulpit. I am thankful for that. But second, because I believe that a minister in preaching on a text must grow into the text. And numerous times over the years, I have thought about preaching on Ecclesiastes 3 and have turned aside and chosen not to do so because I have never felt that I was at a point in terms of my own personal life where I could take on the challenge of addressing the depth, the insight, the profound thought of Ecclesiastes chapter 3. For everything under heaven there is a season and a time for everything under heaven. And then the author has 14 comparisons and not joined with either or, but always both and. To, rec to recommend to us that a part of life is to enjoy the facts about both sides of the equation. But today, out of that text, I want to highlight one particular part where the author of Ecclesiastes says that God has put eternity in our hearts. I want to talk about what the author means by that, and then I want to refer to several examples. And then I want you to think about in this coming new year how you will come to appreciate more deeply God's placing eternity in your heart. What does it mean to talk about eternity in the heart? I'd like to say there are some things. One, I believe the evidence of the eternity God has placed in our hearts is that sense of curiosity to not be satisfied with what we know, but to always believe there is something a little bit more that draws us to it, to it, that summons us eternity in the heart. 
Eternity in the heart, that sense of mystery. The belief that everything we know is wonderful, but there's always something more. Mystery. Creativity. The belief that everything we have about us comes because of the creative activity of the human heart, the creative activity of the human mind, eternity in the heart. What are some examples? In a Moravian monastery, a friar decided to study the pea plant. Nothing remarkable about that. He had a small greenhouse and he began to be intrigued by the fact that if he put this particular pea plant with that pea plant and they had the same color of blossoms, what kind of patterns in life were there? And Gregor Mendel, who twice had failed the examination to be a scientist, gave us the three principles of inheritance on which science to this day is based. By studying a pea plant and eventually acres of pea plants to simply see what happens with the blossoms, eternity in the heart. Or think of another person. He went to medical school in a time when it was a gruesome and terrible place to be, where surgery was a step above butchery. And he left that to go study theology. But that was not enough. He then began intrigued by natural science to begin collecting specimens and eventually got on the HMS Beagle, went to the Galapagos Islands, and we know him as Charles Darwin, the founder of the theory of evolution. Eternity in the heart. Think of the great poet, Emily Dickinson, who sits alone, almost isolated from the outside world, and to this day we are blessed with the work that she did, the words that she wrote, the simple and often very short poems that touch the human heart. Eternity in the heart. Or Beethoven, who progressively realizes that his sense of hearing is departing from him. And he composes the Ninth Symphony and never heard the Ninth Symphony because by that point he was totally deaf and could only hear that music in his head and in his heart. And yet when the choir stands in the Ninth Symphony and sings, Joyful, joyful, we adore thee, to imagine that we can enjoy what Beethoven himself never got to hear. Eternity in the human heart. 
Or the presumption of Gustav Mahler, who took Beethoven's third, fifth, seventh, and ninth symphonies and reorchestrated them and upset all of the people who had studied Beethoven and were so committed to Beethoven's work because he said, if Beethoven were composing for the huge concert halls these days, this is the way he would compose that music and rewrote Beethoven. He turned to in the heart. In 1991, as a student, something of an erstwhile student of science, I was impressed with the Hubble telescope and the pictures that came back that were monumental in changing our understanding of science. And I didn't think it could ever get any better than that. And yet now the James Webb Space Telescope is bringing to us pictures of light that was sent in our direction 12 and a half billion years ago. And people speculate this light may actually be just a few million years from the origin of light. And does it answer questions? Yes, it answers certain questions, but it brings to us brand new questions because the pictures that we're getting bring into some question the theory of the origins of the universe. And the astronomers and the cosmologists who have wanted to study and find out how all of what we see about us in the heavens and on earth began have moved one step closer. But as the author of Ecclesiastes says, but we'll never understand the beginnings and the endings. And some of you are going to say, in thinking about perhaps the creativity of Michelangelo who lays on his back and paints the Sistine Chapel ceiling. Earl, I don't think I'm going to be painting the Sistine Chapel this week. Maybe sometime this year I will get to paint the back spare bedroom. And I'm not going to probably write the great poetry of Whitman or Dickinson. Maybe I'll get my emails responded to. That might be about as much writing as I'll get done. And I can tell you, I can't even help you solve the mystery of why it is that during the school year, kids don't want to get out of bed, but the first day their parents can sleep in, they are up early getting their parents up. I can't understand those mysteries. But I do know they all come out of the sense of God's gift of the eternity that is placed in the human heart. What are the most common resolutions that people make? Well, this year, Number one, exercise more. Number two, lose weight. Number three, get better organized. 
Number four, learn some new hobby. Number five, save more, spend less. Number six, quit smoking. Number seven, send, spend more time with friends and family. And I think most of us who make those commitments to our New Year's resolutions will successfully stick by them till somewhere toward the end of this week. But I'd like you to make another resolution, none of those being bad resolutions. And that is to come to more appreciation of God's gift to you of the eternity that God has placed in your heart. And where can you find that? Look for creativity. Look for mystery. Look for curiosity. Look for areas where one can express care and compassion, for that comes out of the eternity of the heart. Remember when you stop for your, your cup of coffee, latte, chai tea, the person who hands that to you is somebody who has in their heart God's gift of eternity. And on Tuesday, should God extend my life that long, I will sit in my office and across from me will be people that are not just a collection of human protoplasm, but are people for whom God has invested in them eternity. And that I am to see them as people who are created in the image of God not simply created to live on earth for a certain length of time and be seen as productive human beings, but people who have imprinted on their hearts and imprinted on their spirits and imprinted upon their souls the very presence of God's eternity. So where will you find evidence of the eternity that God has gifted you? Look at the heavens. The astronomers continue to find baffling and exciting disclosures of the presence of God. Scientists continue to find evidence of the presence of God. Now, they often don't acknowledge it, but they all depend on one fundamental and basic principle, and that is whether they believe God originated it or not, they believe in an orderliness that I believe can only come from God. Not once in my life have I ever, ever held something out, let go of it, and let it go up unless it was a balloon with helium. Otherwise, it always falls down. And scientists depend on the God, whether they acknowledge God's presence or not, the God who originated that principle and that law. So look around you for the things in life that seem commonplace. The author of Ecclesiastes did. 
He gave 14 contrasts of life and death and war and peace and gathering and letting go and embracing and letting go of embracing. He looked for the ordinary and the common everyday things of life and said, that's how you know that God has placed eternity in the human heart. Not by the spectacular, not by the miraculous, but the ordinary every day, the things we see constantly. So what do I want you to do first? Affirm yourself as one who is in possession of one of God's greatest gifts, life. I had the privilege for a while of being an OBGYN chaplain. And when the father of a new being birthed baby was not present, I would get called to the OBGYN delivery room to be with women who were going through childbirth. And more than once would then hold this newborn baby and I was astounded because I had studied and understood the principles of biology. I know what ovum and sperm accomplish. But I still never understood where life came from. I was always mystified when I would hold this six pounds of human flesh and say, but it's alive. It's alive. And the most fascinating and astounding thing about life is that it is alive. Appreciate life, for that's part of the eternity of God's placing in your heart, the gift of life. The gift of relationship, the people around you, <clears throat> to take the time to not think about them as simply people, which they are, but as those who are endowed and imprinted with God's eternity in their hearts. And then last with this new year. In addition to those things of exercising more and losing weight and getting organized, every one of the people I referred to, Michelangelo, Emily Dickinson, Walt Whitman, the scientists with the Hubble and then James Webb telescopes, found some time of peace and quiet to reflect on the creativity, <clears throat> the mystery, and we're curious about the nature of life and our world. Give yourself some time. Take your time. Think about where God is at work in your life and God is at work in the lives of others. Look for the presence of God where often God is secreted away. And appreciate, appreciate the eternity that God has placed in your heart. More people now read books on e-books than by hardback or softback. And those of you who are possessors of that miraculous thing called Kindle, the Amazon app 
program for reading books. If you download the right app, if you are reading a book, you can actually find out how other people reading that same book are highlighting that book. Which means if I'm reading on Kindle, I can actually access the most common highlighting of other people who are reading the same book. Now this is an astounding thing. If you think about a book that you love and you're one who underlines or highlights, electronically, you can find out what other people are highlighting in that book. And in that sense, kind of have a dialogue with them. What are they highlighting? Why? What questions are they asking? What kind of things are they finding in this book that are important to them? And you can do that with the Bible. You can go on Kindle and you can download, you can get the app. If you enable that app, you can find out what passages in the Bible people are most identifying as their favorite reading texts. You don't know why, you don't know what they're asking, but you can find out. And those of you like me who've grown up in the church, I think would assume that perhaps the most frequent and favorite verse highlighted would be John 3.16. For God so loved the world. But it's not. Or you might think people who are looking for a sense of God's presence and comfort The most common would be the 23rd Psalm. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. But it isn't. The most common verse highlighted on Kindle through e-books from the Bible of all things is Philippians 4, 6 and 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. The text that more people in the world are highlighting on Kindle from the Bible is, what do I do about anxiety? I am so oppressed by the demands of my life and my judgment and criticism of myself. And the answer, my friends, is anxiety is biological. Yes, it's hereditary. Yes, it is social. Yes, it is circumstantial. Yes. But a part of the root of anxiety is losing one's sense that the heart is still the residence of God's eternity. And when you understand that the human heart is where God has placed eternity, then it minimizes the stress and the demands of the rest of one's life. For you find you are encompassed by a vision of something that is transported beyond the limits of that day, that hour, that minute. 
to something beyond yourself, something greater than yourself, something that is inexhaustible and never to be understood, but always to be sought. Creativity, curiosity, and mystery. So I would encourage you on this as we enter this new day of this new year. Set for yourself a resolution, and that resolution is to become more appreciative of how God has sought you out and placed in your heart the very essence of God's eternity. And do not be satisfied to live as anything less than that. Do not be satisfied to compromise that. Do not be satisfied to forget that. Do not be satisfied to distort that. But in each and every day, stop and pause for just a moment and say, where today am I going to find evidence in my heart of the very presence of God's eternity? Because if you pause, and if you are quiet, and if you give God a bit of time, you'll begin to see the evidence of that presence in yourself, in others, and most assuredly in the presence of God. Amen.